Would your child know what to do if they got separated from you or a stranger approached them when you're not around? Is your child so prone to fear that you're concerned talking to them about such things would only escalate their anxieties? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Do your kids just love getting mail? Do you go to the mailbox with them and sift through the mountain of paper like coupon for mold removal? Yeah, don't need that. Hopefully. Electric bill. Ouch. Bathing suit magazine you didn't request. Um, no thank you. But what if your kids went to the mailbox with you to find an engaging current events magazine just for them, presented from a biblical worldview? God's World News is just that and so much more. They offer bi-monthly print magazines and corresponding online content that will walk your kids through current events in age-appropriate ways, from toddlers all the way to teens. Just go to gwnews.com slash ginger to get a free copy of God's World News. Again, that's gwnews.com slash ginger to help your kids build their news literacy so they can better live out the gospel. Well, Ginger, sadly, we live in a world that isn't always safe, and it's important for us as parents to be able to teach our children how to respond to potentially dangerous situations or dangerous people without instilling fear in the hearts of our children. So let's start with how we can teach our kids to recognize and respond to people out there who might want to harm them, you know, without jumpstarting our kids' nightmares, which is what none of us want to do. (laughs) Right. Well, I believe the way we go about it makes all the difference. If we approach it from the angle of there are evil people in this world who would love nothing more than to hurt you, Mm. and then just rattle off a list of instructions for how they can stay safe from those people, that's likely going to provoke fear in our children. But when we give them instructions for staying safe with both spiritual and practical perspective, we're equipping them without instilling fear. Exactly. So let's start with spiritual instructions that will help children cast off fear as we teach them to be safe in a world that, frankly, isn't. Sure, I have a couple of suggestions. First, anytime we're giving our kids specific instructions for staying safe, we always want to undergird it with truths from God's Word, specifically truths that reassure them that God is always with His children, no matter what they're going through or what kind of fearful situation they're in. Teaching children to put their faith and hope in God helps them overcome fear. I love the way Billy Graham put it when he said, fear can banish faith, but faith can banish fear. We help our children begin to grasp this truth when we say things like, honey, 
If you're ever in a situation where you feel afraid, the best thing you can do is to ask God to help you trust Him. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. The more you put your faith and trust in God and draw near to Him in prayer, the more He will help you overcome fear in any situation. Another comforting verse for children to cling to and memorize in times of fear is Psalm 27, 1, which says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And don't just have them memorize that verse. Teach them how to pray that verse. Praying scripture is so powerful. When we pray scripture, we can be certain that we're praying in accordance with God's will for our lives. So maybe read that verse with little Susie or little Sam who's struggling with fear of any kind and then pray, thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to be afraid of the dark because you are my light and my salvation. Thank you that no matter what happens, I don't have to live in fear because you're always with me and you're the stronghold of my life. The second way we can equip our children spiritually to be safe without instilling fear is by being honest with them. Tell them that we do live in a fallen world where bad things do happen, but it's not because God is bad. It's because of sinfulness in people's hearts. Sin brings harm. Sin brings suffering. Now, certainly, God often uses pain and suffering in our lives to work for His purpose and glory, as we're told in Romans 8, 28, that God uses all things, including the bad things, for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. But we should clarify to our children that while God does allow pain and suffering into the lives of His children to accomplish His will, He doesn't cause it. Mm. Think about all the horrible things that God allowed to happen in Job's life, but how God ultimately used it all for his glory and Job's good. God's plan is always to bring good, not harm to his children. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So we teach our kids safety without fear by talking about how God is faithful and good in all things, even the bad things that happen in the lives of his children. That is such a hard thing for even adults to believe, uh, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to instill it in our children. I think many parents, Ginger, avoid talking to their kids about suffering for fear of destroying their innocence or inciting fear in their hearts. And we obviously need to be sensitive uh, to their age and appropriateness, but I think we need to be proactive in our conversations about the realities of life, even from an early age. So talking to our kids about how we have suffered and how God has proven faithful and good, even in those moments, can actually bolster their faith rather than destroy it. So Ginger, let's move on to some practical applications of this. What are some ways parents can teach their kids safety without fear? First is to teach them that the practical side of staying safe goes right along with the spiritual side. Mm. God's hand is in both. God offers not just spiritual wisdom, but also practical wisdom for daily life. And that includes wisdom for staying safe. For children, a lot of that wisdom comes from listening and obeying instructions from mom and dad. Mm. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. You might help children understand how God works not just in spiritual ways to keep them safe, but also practical ways by saying something along the lines of, sweetheart, 
God loves you so much. Did you know that one of the ways he protects you and keeps you safe is by giving you wisdom from mom and dad? So let's talk about some wise things you can do to stay safe. Okay, this is one of the things that just irks me when people talk about how you know, parents shouldn't stress obedience because it doesn't respect the autonomy of the child. And I just think anyone who has had a child nearly run out in traffic or put their hand on a hot stove understands the folly of an argument like that. Of course, our children should learn to obey us. Why? Because folly is bound up in the heart of a child. You know, that verse isn't being cruel or unkind to children. It's stating a fact about their development. And unless we want to be foolish ourselves, we would do well to train our children to be obedient to their parents. I need to stop before I launch into a whole episode on that. Um, Ginger, (laughs) what is the second way parents could teach their kids safety without fear? Second is to prepare them with practical instructions for safety. Often, what makes a situation fearful is being unprepared and ill-equipped to handle it. People who can't swim are more likely to be afraid of being around large bodies of water. I have a friend who actually never learned to swim, and her fear of drowning was so severe, she wouldn't even take a bath. She would only take a shower. Her fear became such a stronghold in her life that it led to an irrational state of mind. And it's the same with people who don't know where to go or what to do during a tornado. They're more inclined to be afraid of them. Katie, that's why when you were in your college dorm room, (laughs) crammed into a cabinet underneath the kitchen sink, shaking with fear during a tornado. That's why you were in that situation. And why Heather was outside trying to film it at the same time. Because you're both a couple of lunatics who don't know how to act. Okay, it was the bathroom (laughs) sink and not the kitchen sink because it was the inmost, you know, the most central part of the room. Uh, (laughs) Heather was the one who was completely wrong in that situation. You know, I was in the most interior room in our apartment, totally rational, and I wasn't shaking. Well, actually, I was shaking with fear. I'm not going to lie. But maybe I was shaking with worry for Heather. I think that's what it was. Okay, we'll just go with that. Totally rational, completely. So anyway, all that to say, we can liken the example of Katie being afraid of tornadoes to the fear a child might experience should they find themselves separated from their parents without knowing where to go or what to do. Or the same sort of fear that might consume a child who's only been told don't talk to strangers, but would have absolutely no idea what to do if a stranger approached and made them uh, fearful or uncomfortable in Mm. some way. So what I'm proposing here is that there is power in preparation. We've all heard that failure to prepare is preparation for failure. And as a public speaker, I can certainly Mm -hmm. relate to the reality um, of that and how not being prepared can lead to fear. That is the stuff of nightmares for me, and probably most speakers. I've woken up in a cold sweat after dreaming about walking on stage in front of an auditorium full of people, only to realize I've not prepared a message. Mm -hmm. That's a horrible and traumatic kind of panic for me, and like I said, probably most speakers. But when I'm prepared spiritually through prayer and prepared practically with notes, I have no fear. Can I say one thing about that, Ginger? Because the first two times I ever spoke in public, and I was doing acting my whole childhood, the first two times I ever spoke in public, I blacked out, like physically blacked out. They thought I was having a stroke one of those times. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before. You've told me, but I don't know if you told it on the podcast. Well, and it was humiliating because I had actually gotten a scholarship in order to do that very thing that I blacked out twice doing. And I realized what was interesting is I had no idea what was happening in my mind. 
mm-hmm. um, and how unprepared I was. But it was actually um, a gentleman who was a part of the scholarship program that I was there to do, um, who showed me that you are panicking and you don't realize it because you're not prepared. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's possible to have a visceral physical reaction without being conscious in our minds as to the reasoning behind it. Like I had no idea that I was fearful. I just Mm -hmm. passed out. So when our minds and our bodies are detached like that, sometimes it's difficult to untangle, but that preparation did away with all of the fear. And I never passed out again, thankfully because that was humiliating enough. And, you know, it's the same with children in these situations that we're talking about. Preparing them spiritually and practically with the tools they need to be safe brings confidence, and confidence overcomes fear. Mm -hmm. So just as we teach our children to swim so they can jump into a pool without fear of drowning and show them where to go during a tornado so they don't panic like Katie, we (laughs) teach them what they need to know to stay safe. Well, I want to point out something about my not-at-all irrational fear of tornadoes. Um, I have found that the more prepared I am for severe weather and the more we practice that, the less my anxiety rises as severe weather approaches, as it is literally doing at this very moment while we record this episode. I don't know if you know that. I'm under (laughs) a severe thunderstorm watch. I don't know about warning. That's why when I jumped on here to record with you, Katie, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but Katie records in her closet yeah. and there's a window behind her. So when I first got on here, Katie's back is to me and she's got the blinds cracked where she's looking, looking out, out the, window, the window and I can tell already there's bad weather. Oh, we are in the red on my app. I'm, I'm just saying, and I'm still recording. I'm not panicking. That's right. But I've noticed, you know, the same thing with my more anxious child who is terrified of tornadoes as much as I am. Um, Having our safe place with the necessary provisions actually diminishes our fear rather than increasing it. It's not like it draws attention to it and so we're panicking because of it. It's almost like practicing the motions and having that set and in place diminishes the fear. And it seems counterintuitive, but that's how it works for us. Uh, But it is important how we discuss these things with our kids, right, Ginger? That's right. A fear-inducing approach might sound something like, Here's what you can do so the boogeyman won't get you. A confidence-giving approach sounds more like, here's what you can do to be smart and safe. Mm. Let's not cause our children to live in fear of what could happen. In Matthew chapter 6, we're warned about uh, how living in fear and worry robs children of the peace and joy that is theirs in Christ. Verse 25 says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And verse 27 explains how there is zero benefit to living in fear of what could happen. That verse says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So we teach our children safety without fear by equipping them with wisdom to respond to all situations with confidence, while at the same time reminding them that God is in control and that they can trust Him in all things. That's exactly right. And we can't afford to not teach our kids how to stay safe just because we're afraid it might scare them. So we remind them that God is in control and that He is always with His children as we give them practical instructions for staying safe. So it's vital that children know what to do if they get separated from us and find themselves in a scary situation. It is, because as careful as we are to keep an eye on our kids, it only takes a few seconds for them to wander off. I looked away for no more than 15 seconds at a theme park one time, and Alex rounded a corner before I knew it. And the problem was I had no idea which corner or which direction she went. And I was going to tell you, it was one of the most terrifying 60 seconds of my life. Fortunately, I found her fairly quickly, 
but it seemed like an eternity to me. And so for those of you who have ever lost your kids, even just for a few seconds, you, I know you can relate to what that feels like. We hear stories of kids being snatched from parks and other public places. So we tend to think the worst if we lose sight of them. But even at best, if they wander off and wind up with a trustworthy person, it's so much easier for that person to help if the child has either uh, memorized just some basic information or has that basic information on them or even better or both. Mm-hmm. Just the amount of time it saves for someone to know how to get in touch with the kid's parents uh, can keep a very scary few minutes from turning into a drawn out traumatic experience for the child and the parents. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. So Ginger, just to recap, first and foremost is to teach our kids that God is always with his children and that their security is found in him. Then we work ahead of time to teach them the information they would need should they find themselves separated from us or in potential danger. Uh, What information should they know? Well, I would say start uh, by just helping them memorize basic information, such as their parents' first and last names. You'd be amazed by how many preschoolers only know their parents as mom and dad, or, or maybe at best by their first names only. Also, have them memorize at least one parent's mobile number. Of course, it's better to teach them both, but one is better than none. Basic info might also include knowing their home address, including city and state. I think an opportune time to practice memorizing these basics is when you're all in the car together. So I encourage parents to make that a habit until their kids have it down. You might even consider putting a note in your car as a reminder so you don't forget to review while you're out and about and running errands in your car. Ginger, you know I have a terrible memory, like really bad, Uh, especially anything from when I was a child. But I do have actually a vivid memory from preschool. I think it was preschool where we all made little mailboxes and learned our personal information like our address, phone number, our parents' names. And it's just really important for kids to have that kind of knowledge as early as possible. And it is possible to do it that early on. Mm -hmm. Um, But Ginger, what are your ideas for kids who aren't yet able to communicate or, you know, may have special needs, aren't able to communicate or may have trouble memorizing? Mm. Then consider having something on their person with all their information written down. Amber L. offers customized child ID cards that can be used in a lanyard or tucked inside something your child carries with them. Uh, Amber actually recommends children have what she calls an everyday carry that contains their identity cards anytime that they're away from home. And I think that's wise because of the world we live in. And as far as an everyday carry, I found some, I looked on Amazon, I found some really cute fanny packs for girls and boys on Amazon. And so I will link to some of the ones I found in the show notes. I personally like fanny packs better than backpacks for kids because um, backpacks are just so cumbersome. Okay, I want to address the fanny pack thing, but tell us who Amber L. is. 
Amber L., I heard about her through my friend Elizabeth Parsons. Um, she does all kind of safety stuff for kids. Um, she actually has a safety course. Uh, I think we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, well, I want to make a side note here for our British listeners because... I know that the word fanny isn't really what you would expect to hear on a Christian parenting podcast, but that word means something very different here in the U.S. Well, actually, it's not that different. (laughs) Not really that much more polite. It means buttocks, but it's really the only word that describes this particular kind of bag that sits at a person's waist. It's the only thing us Americans have to describe that, so... Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry to our uh, British listeners. Katie, I'm so thankful that you lived abroad and are uh, able to clarify some of the things that I say that could be offensive to our international listeners. Uh, without you, I think other countries would have probably canceled our show a long time ago. So thank you for yeah, that. Some of them probably have anyway, but they yeah. probably have before you clarify some of the things I say. And to our international listeners, I just want to say thank you for extending grace for my ignorance regarding <laughs> our cultural language differences. Well, Ginger... Okay, quick, funny side note. I actually did a lot of public speaking when I lived in the UK as an adult, and I had a fellow American come over and do some conferences with me. And our first conference was with a group of hundreds of professionals, probably like three or 400 people. And I'm not sure how or why, but this fellow speaker used the word fanny in her presentation. And to our non-British listeners, fanny actually means female genitalia in the UK. It's not a word you just want to toss out there in a, in a professional presentation. But needless to say, we all learned a valuable lesson that day. It was it was pretty hilarious. To me, it was not hilarious to her. She did not find that as funny as I did. Anyway, back on track, Ginger. I like the idea of kids having an everyday carry that contains their personal information. And of course, what they carry the information in doesn't matter as long as they know to take their information to a safe adult if they ever find themselves separated from their parents. Right. And teaching them to take their information to a safe adult, um, that doesn't have to be this long, drawn out, fear-inducing conversation. Just make it a very short, casual conversation um, while they're safely in your home. Maybe just pull the card out of their everyday carry when you're about to go somewhere and just say something like, this is your safety card. If you're ever afraid and need me, just give this card to a grown-up and I'll be there soon. Mm. And, you know, I can see where this might be a bit confusing for children who have been taught to never talk to strangers when parents are not around and to never walk away with or get in a car with a stranger. But we do have to teach them that there is an exception to this rule if they do get separated from their parents and need help. So I guess the question here is, how do we teach them to choose a safe adult? Well, first, let's always remind them Uh, to be just as quick to turn to God for help as an adult. Now, Mm. they need both, but help them understand that, yes, it's wise to go to a safe adult if they're lost and afraid, but it's also wise to go to God at the same time. A safe adult can help them find their way back to mom and dad, but God can help them overcome fear and give them peace and comfort in the meantime. Remember that undergirding all of our instructions with truths from God's Word is the primary way we teach our children safety without fear. But to your question, Katie, they do need to know how to spot a safe adult, so they need specifics as far as uh, what kind of person to look for. So teach them that a safe person is someone such as a police officer or a mom or dad with a stroller or an adult who has other children with them. Those are the kind of safe people they need to look for. Right. And we've also told our kids, for instance, if we're at a public place like a theme park or somewhere like that, to find someone who works there and ask for their help. And 
those people are usually pretty easy to identify. Mm-hmm. That's right. And while you're teaching them about safe people, tell them that a safe person would never ask them to get into a car with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might show young children pictures or flashcards to help them identify safe people. Visual learning often sticks better for little ones. And I would imagine there are probably plenty of children's safety books out there with pictures uh, that you can read to your kids. Also, I mentioned Amber L. earlier. Um, She's the one that I said offers those kids' ID cards on her website. And as I mentioned, Amber also has a training children in public safety online course. Uh, My friend Elizabeth told me about that. I haven't gone through that course, but I did read about it on her website, and it really does look awesome. She offers practical ways to teach children situational awareness, code words, stranger safety, and safe adult concepts. She also gives example scenarios and provides documents that break the information down into lessons that kids can easily understand and apply. So we'll be sure to have Heather put a link in the show notes if that's something that you'd like to look into. Ginger, other tools I'd like to mention that can help us keep our kids safe are the Gab phones and Gab watches. I think these are great because they allow us to communicate with our kids without all the dangers associated with most other devices. And I love that we can track our kids, call them, text them, and not worry that they're going to be groomed by some psycho on TikTok. Um, They're good for elementary age kids through middle and I would even say high school. Now, speaking of older kids and teenagers, let's talk uh, a little bit about them. Uh, Assuming they've already had the basics down that we just mentioned, what additional tips can you offer when they're out on their own? So maybe they're allowed to walk or ride a bike or drive places alone, um, or depending where they live, they might take a bus or subway to school or other places. Yeah, so I'm just going to run through uh, a few practical tips we can share with older kids and teens to help them stay safe, especially when they're out alone. They can keep electronic devices turned down or off so they can hear and pay better attention to what's going on around them. Oh, man. Just let me stop right here for one second. (laughs) I want to keep out for one minute because when we were hiking in Utah a few years ago, our guide told us about the unbelievable number of falling deaths they experienced because people were taking selfies. Hmm. It's absolutely crazy. And while it's hard to think about tragedies like that, it's so important for our kids to know the dangers of obsessive use of electronics, particularly while they're driving. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm moving on. Give us more tips for older kids. <laughs> uh, uh, also, I would encourage them to stay on busy, well-lit roads rather than deserted back roads or alleyways. If they think someone might be following them while they're on foot or bike, they can cross the road and go to uh, go into a restaurant or a shop or just someplace where lots of people are around. If they're driving, they can drive to a police station. If they're traveling by bus, they can choose a busy bus stop or use busy roads. Same with subway travel, stand where there are lots of people around. When walking to their car, they should always look around for any suspicious person near their car who could potentially try to force their way in. I remember when I first started driving, my daddy told me that if someone ever tried to force me to get into a car with them or force their way into my car, even if that person had a weapon, that it would be better to scream, fight back, and run rather than comply, Mm -hmm. even if they have a weapon. Because statistically, getting into a car is much more dangerous than screaming and running. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, teach older children to 
never fight back if someone tries to take something from them, such as a purse or a backpack. In those cases, the person will most likely take what they want and run. My parents always taught me that resisting is not worth the possibility of being hurt. Right. And again, we don't teach our older kids these tips to terrify them because it to be honest, as you're reading those, it is a little terrifying even as a parent, but we want to prepare them to be discerning and wise. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best times to have these conversations is when we encounter stories in the news or in our own reading aloud that opens the door to discussions about, you know, what would you do if you found yourself in that situation? Mm -hmm. Um, And for one thing, we find out what they actually would do. Sometimes I've been surprised when I've asked my kid that question or my children that question and they give me an answer and I'm like, oh no, that's not at all what you should do in that situation. (laughs) So it's good to have these discussions when you're not in the throes of something potentially dangerous or even sending them out on their way to something potentially dangerous. Let's Mm -hmm. have these conversations just as we're going about our day. Um, We don't want to pepper them with all of our potential fears as they're walking out the door to go somewhere without us. Mm Mm-hmm. And whether they're younger or older, we want to encourage our kids to take any fears they might have to the Lord in prayer. Jeremiah 29 verses 12 and 13 say this, you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God hears and answers the prayers of his people. When God's children put their hope and trust in him, he's there and he promises to comfort them when they're sad give them strength when they're weak, and fill them with his peace that passes all understanding when they're afraid. Now is the part of our show where we share a funny kid quip from one of our listeners. Today's kid quip is courtesy of Kristen in Oklahoma. Kristen writes this, Tonight, after my newly turned two-year-old was throwing his peas at dinner, we had a little talk, and I explained to him that we do not throw food. Then I said, How does God want you to obey? And he said with a completely straight face and a cute little voice, all the way, right away, happy fart. (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I completely lost it. He was so serious and did not even understand what he said, which made it even funnier. Had to share. That is hilarious. And thank you, Ginger, for always choosing messages like this for me to read. (laughs) Listeners. Ginger never chooses the quick tips or kid quips for the show unless it's ones that make me squirm to read out loud. Uh, but actually, this it's one just makes so fun. Yeah, this one makes me think about one of my favorite kid quips that I had with all three of my kids at the same time. Uh, I asked them one time to tell me all the bad words they knew, and I. I don't really remember why I did that. Probably just a solid parenting move. Uh, but my <laughs> daughter said, "Well, I know there's an F word." but I don't know what it is. And, but my oldest said, well, I do. It's fart. And I was like, (laughs) yes, that is a bad word. And we don't say that. (laughs) I just love their innocence. And that is the only F word. But they were like, stupid, (laughs) dumb. (laughs) They were telling me all their bad words. (laughs) Well, listeners, if you have a kid quip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any funny thing your child or grandchild has said, or it can even be something funny you said as a child. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash kidquips, that's Q-U-I-P-S, to submit those. Well, Ginger, now that you've given us some helpful ideas for how to instill safety in our kids without igniting their fear, can you leave our listeners with a final word of encouragement? As we teach our children practical ways to be safe, let's also remind them that those who belong to Jesus 
do not have to live in fear. God's love for his children is perfect. Mm. When our kids put their faith and trust in him, they can know that he is with them always, even in scary situations, and that his perfect love will carry them, sustain them, and drive out fear. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us today. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her children's books, co-authored with Al Rowland, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Sam and the Sticky Situation is a book about whining, Chloe and the Closet of Secrets is a book about lying, and Sean and His Amazing Shrinking Sister is a book about teasing. We're also offering $10 off when you buy all three of these books, as well as an additional 10% off this already great deal when you use that same code, parenting, at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.